0: Thank you for joining the worship services of Shoto, Brady, and Dutton United Methodist Churches. I'm Pastor Julie King, and I'm so grateful for digital technology that allows you to join us from wherever you are in the world. You can join us every week by clicking the links on our Facebook at facebook.com shotoumc Shoto UMC or on our website at umshoto.net. If you like what we are doing and would like to financially support us in ministry, you can find more contact information on our website. And again, that's umshoto.net. We're so grateful that you are joining us.
1: Our scripture reading for today is Daniel chapter 6, verses 16 through 23. Then the king gave the command and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Daniel saved from the lions. Then, at break of day, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel then said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. Because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: Well, as you know, we are going through a lot of these childhood stories that we learn in our very young years in Sunday school. And we can't do this sermon series without talking about Daniel and the Lion's Den. This is one that I think we all know. It's also one that, for me growing up, I really used to just think of this more as a fairy tale type story. I loved the idea of the lions. When I was really little, we would go to circuses a lot. And I remember getting to see a lion and a lion tamer at one of the circuses. And thinking, those lions are huge. They would absolutely tear apart Daniel. There's no way that this story really happened, you know. But then... I would reason with it, and I would think, well, maybe these lions were more like Daniel the lion from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I used to love watching Mr. Rogers as a kid, and Daniel the lion was this sweet, soft little lion. I thought maybe that's what they were. As I grew older, I have a lot of different perspectives on the ways that this story can speak to me. But before we get to those, I want to just kind of retell Daniel's story. Maybe for some of us, it's been a long time since we've heard the story of Daniel. Daniel was born, they believe, around 620 B.C., And at 605 BC, so of course if you're doing backwards math here, when he was 15 years old, he was taken to Babylon. The king Nebuchadnezzar had taken rule and he needed some young men, good-looking men, ones that were smart, ones that were going to be trusted so that the people would follow him and his lead. Daniel was one of those chosen people. Along with him were his friends. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. If those names don't sound familiar, it's because they were later renamed by King Nebuchadnezzar, and we know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel and his friends complete their three years of learning, and then they really begin their time as service on the king's council. Their main job was to try to interpret dreams. And very young in his life, Daniel became well-known as the best dream interpreter, the best prophet. You probably all remember the story of King Nebuchadnezzar having the dream about the statue that was made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, and clay. Daniel was able to interpret the dream... But before he interpreted the dream, he was able to tell the king exactly what happened in the dream. So he gained credibility with the king because of this. Time goes on and. They are tested. The statue ends up becoming a real thing. They're supposed to bow down to the statue. I think you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to do that. And they're thrown into the fiery furnace where no harm ends up being done to them. So here we have this first very miraculous story where no harm is done in the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is very short. Daniel continues his dream interpretations, though. He continues serving the kings. He continues being very, very well-known. After Nebuchadnezzar dies, there is a succession of short-lived kings. Nabonidus, I think is how you say the next king name. He's not a real famous king from the Bible, but he did serve as the king of the Babylonian era. Then afterwards, his son takes over Belshazzar. And then, after Belshazzar is killed, Cyrus becomes king. And after Cyrus, Cyrus ends up appointing Darius, Darius of Mede. Now, Darius really liked Daniel. He didn't just like him because he had this great ability of prophecy, this gift that was unlike anyone else's. He didn't just like him because he could interpret dreams. He liked him as a person. He really admired him. And so because of this, because of all these wonderful qualities that the king noticed about Daniel, King Darius plans to appoint uh, Daniel, at the absolute highest position that he could be in, in the administration. The other administrators caught wind of this and they did not want it to happen. So they plot against Daniel, they develop this plan, this way that they're going to bring Daniel down and they end up going to King Darius and they say, nobody should be able to bow down or worship anyone but you. You should be the only one that they praise. So you should sign this into law, and you have to do it now. We can't go ask anyone else. You have to do it now. And they trick King Darius into signing it. He does. He puts his seal on it. Then they go and they find Daniel. And they see Daniel doing his daily routine, his daily ritual, Part of what Daniel did was he remained extremely faithful to God. And three times a day he would get down on his knees and he would face Jerusalem and he would pray. They caught Daniel in the act. Daniel continued to pray to God even though the law forbid it. And they go back to King Darius and they say, guess what Daniel's doing? And King Darius is like, well... I don't want Daniel, Daniel can't be in trouble because I'm going to appoint him to the highest position. They say, nope, the law is the law, king, and you can't change it once it's been signed. And that's the way that it was at that time. So he couldn't do anything, his hands were tied. So he has to order Daniel to essentially a sentence of death, to be thrown into this lion's den. But before Daniel's thrown into the lion's den... The king tells Daniel, I hope that your God protects you. May your God show you favor and protect you. The king then goes back to his home, back to his chambers. And he loses his appetite. It says that he fasted, but he was so just sick with worry. We've had those feelings. We all know exactly what that feels like. When something big is going on, you lose your appetite, you can't eat, and this was his own fault that his very admired friend was going through this. He felt so guilty. He couldn't eat, and the text also tells us that he couldn't sleep. The next morning... He hurries back to the lion's den. I think there was probably a part of him that fully expected to see bits and pieces left of Daniel. Because that's what he knew was going to happen. But instead... He found Daniel there completely unharmed. And Daniel goes on to tell him that the Lord had sent an angel, a spirit that protected him. It says that it shut the lion's mouth so that they couldn't do any harm to him because God did not find anything that was punishable in him. And he also had not done anything to King Darius. So Daniel comes out of the lion's den, and of course he is saved. What do we get from this text? Is it just this idea that God's really powerful and can actually control the animals against their natural instincts that he designed them to have? I don't think that's always it. I know that there's been a couple times in my life that I feel like I have been thrown into a lion's den metaphorically, of course, (laughs) but have you ever had that happen to you? A time that you are doing everything that you know you are supposed to do. You're doing it right. You are living the way that God calls you to live. Yes, you still sin because we all sin, but you know that you are on the straightened arrow. And then somebody comes along and they say something or they do something or a rumor starts about you. And you are thrown into the lion's den and you are there and you are alone and you have nobody around you to help you fight this. All that you are left with is God. Have you ever felt that way? I have. And it's hard. It is a hard and scary place to be in. You can almost feel the attack of the lions, so to speak, the outside people of the world. You that phrase that sticks and stones may break bones, but words are the ones that do harm. You feel that hurt. And it's a terrible kind of hurt. But relying on God is what pulls you out of those lion den moments. I read through some different scholars' perspectives on the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And I picked five of them that I thought were good takeaways from the story. The first one follows that idea of being thrown into the lion's den. And it's that if you follow God accusations against you will be proven false. Now, that doesn't always mean in a court case, obviously. This doesn't always have to be something that is breaking one of our societal laws. It can be something as simple as, I've had my own kids go through this as an example. A time that I was absolutely sure that one of them had done something and I accused them over and over and over of lying to me and they, they held on to their innocence and later on I would find out that they were indeed telling me the truth that same thing can be applied to our own lives in a bigger context when we hold on to our truth and who we are God provides a way And the truth does come to light. A second key point is that no matter what happens, don't give up on God. I'm sure that we've all had a point in our life that we felt like no matter what, God is just not showing up When it rains, it pours, and you have that snowball effect. It's like one thing goes bad, and then it just keeps happening and happening. And we cry out, and we lament, and we say, God, where are you in all of this? Because sometimes it doesn't feel like God is there. It is not that God is up there playing chess with our lives and moving us into those situations. It's just that sometimes we put ourselves into a position that we have kind of a wall up that we don't see God for whatever reason we expect God to be answering us or doing things for us in our own ways and God does it in his own ways but if we don't give up on God and if we believe that our faith is true that our God is true God is always going to be there and if we're really honest Even if we do give up on God, God is still there for us. The other part is that you set an example, if you set an example for faithfulness, you never know who will be impacted. This is a key point because King Darius, in this story of Daniel, was not a follower of God, he didn't believe in God. But he admired and saw Daniel's way so much that he was impacted by Daniel's faith. Daniel had one of the most pristine positions that could have been in that time, in that land. Everyone knew him. Everyone admired him. He worked for the king and was about to be appointed to the highest level of administration. But he kept his faith in God. He didn't let those ways of the world, the money and the power, pull him from God. He kept his faith very, very strong. And that influenced King Darius. As I was reading through different perspectives on this, there are some scholars that believe that when the text tells us that King Darius fasted and that he couldn't sleep at night, that perhaps he was praying. It doesn't say for sure that he was But I say this every week when we do our time of prayer. I always say, thank you for hearing our prayers, those that we speak aloud and those that we pray silently. And I do believe that in those moments where maybe we aren't praying aloud, maybe we aren't even consciously praying, God hears our prayers. Those moments that we are full of worry and anxiety, that we're losing sleep, God knows what's on our hearts and our minds. Daniel also influenced King Darius enough that even though he wouldn't admit that he worshiped God, he had faith in God. As he told Daniel before going into the lion's den, may your God save you. He had a hope that God would. A fourth point, a fourth key point is that your prayers for others in hardship are heard by God. This is part of what I was talking about with King Darius possibly praying for Daniel. Daniel was not the only one that was praying. Maybe he's the only one that we read was praying in the scripture. But King Darius was absolutely clinging to hope that God was going to provide for Daniel. He knew that Daniel had a strong faith, that he believed in God, and he was clinging to hope that that God Daniel believed him would keep him safe. When we pray for others, the power of prayer is very strong and it is amazing what God can do. I often read different devotionals and more than once I have read testimonies from people saying that they overcame a big health issue or a big obstacle in their life. And they found out later that people were praying for them. They didn't even know it, but they fully believed that they got through whatever that big situation was because of those people praying. I also have read a book that it's about the power of prayer. And when you pray for other people, you will see their lives begin to change. Even though they may not actually pray themselves or they might not even accept Christ or claim Christianity, when you begin to pray for people, you will see their lives begin to change. And it's amazing. The fifth point is only the impossible can happen with God. I don't know that I can stand here and say that I hundred percent believe that Daniel was thrown into a lion's den and the lions didn't attack him. It very well could have happened. It very well could have been a story that they told and as it got written down was used to tell these lessons. But what I do know is that there have been times in my own life and times that I have witnessed in other people's lives that something has happened and there is absolutely no explanation of why it turned out good. I have seen car wrecks where a person walks away completely unharmed and there is absolutely no way that they should have survived that, much less got away without a scratch. I have seen people go through huge, huge events in their lives. I know of a friend who had cancer. She went through several different treatments. At one appointment she went and her fate was a few months that she was given left to live. She went back and the cancer was gone. She wasn't receiving treatment. These are miracles and they are miracles that I believe that God still very, very, very much performs in our lives. And there are sometimes absolutely no way to explain these things through science. There's no way to explain them with our own knowledge. But we can explain them through our faith. Do any of you know or have you had one of those big things happen? If you haven't begun to notice, there seems to be a theme that is coming up between each one of these Sunday school stories that we're looking at this summer. The common theme that I've started noticing is that our faith will Always be tested. Have any of you had your faith tested? I have to tell you... Kind of a weird dream That I have been having lately And I was just telling Robert About it a couple days ago Because it finally got so strong That I just could not Make sense of it And it was really bugging me And I don't want to tell you this dream to scare you I promise I'm not going anywhere But Repeatedly, for the last several months, I keep having this dream that I will have a conversation with Robert or my mom, or that I'll be standing up here and I will be telling whoever I'm talking to in my dream that I'm leaving ministry, that I'm done being a pastor. And whoever it is that I'm talking to in my dream will always end up asking me, Well, what are you going to do? And my answer is always, I don't know, because I don't know how to be anything except a pastor. I have been beating myself up over this dream. I've been trying to ignore it because I didn't want it to be one of those crazy signs of, am I being called to something else? Because I love my job. I love what I do. I love being a pastor. And most of the time, I don't even really consider it a job because it's my calling. And there is nothing more beautiful than being able to do what we've done this month with celebrating baptisms and weddings and even the funerals and welcoming new members. And these are the highs of ministries. And so why is God giving me these dreams, telling me, hey, maybe you shouldn't be in ministry? When I talked to Robert about it, I was reminded very quickly that it wasn't a dream telling me, hey, you're supposed to consider leaving ministry. It was the affirmation and the reassurance that you were giving yourself in that dream of, you don't know anything else besides ministry. It was like that final moment, that stamping the seal on my own life of, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And even though I've told God I'm all in a hundred times, I feel like this was that other moment of, yes, I need to be all in. And as I was thinking about Abraham from last week and then Daniel this week, I was realizing that when we really say yes to God and we really begin having these big moments, these months where we've got baptisms and weddings and all the fun parts of being a Christian, we can be easily tested. Abraham was tested. Daniel was tested. He was asked to quit worshiping God, to quit praying. But they stood through their faith. They kept their faith very strong. And when you do, on the other side there, waiting through that trial and that test is something absolutely amazing that you can't even begin to imagine with your own mind. You will survive a lion's den or whatever life throws at you. After the next morning, after I talked with Robert and I kind of had that affirmation and I was like, aha, these dreams make sense. I opened up my devotional that I use every day and I want to share the scripture that was in there that day. Maybe ironic, maybe it was just kind of that final moment of, see, Julie, I'm in control. Keep your faith in me from God. It comes from 1 Peter, and it's chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, and the scripture really stuck out to me, and so I thought I would share it in hopes that maybe it'll stick out to one of you as well. I'm going to be reading from the message translation because I love the way that it uses modern language to speak to us. It says, friends, When life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It's the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. If they're on you because you broke the law or you disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. It's judgment time for God's own family, and we are first in line. If it starts with us, think what it's going to be like for those who refuse God's message. If good people barely make it, what's in store for the bad? So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. Trust him. He knows what he's doing and he'll keep doing it. If you find yourself thrown into the lion's den, I hope that you will do exactly what the scripture reminds us, what the story of Daniel speaks to us, that you will trust him. He knows what he's doing, and he'll keep doing it. Amen. Our hymn of reflection is Trust and Obey.
2: of his word what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil He doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown or a